On this episode of the Sacred Playgrounds podcast, we're going to talk about the B word. Well, at least a B word. We're going to talk about bullying. We'll talk about what it is and what it isn't, how it's become more prevalent in part because of public discourse, and how camp and ministry leaders can be part of healing society when it comes to this really hard thing happening in our youth. Welcome to the Sacred Playgrounds Podcast, where we dive deeply into theology, research, and practical wisdom for camps, retreat centers, and other key ministry spaces. I'm your host, Jared Rendell, camp enthusiast and part of the Sacred Playgrounds team. This podcast features Dr. Jake Swenson, a scholar and practitioner who's helping us all think more deeply about outdoor ministries. Wonder with us what God might have in store at your Sacred Playground. Hey everybody, welcome to the playground. Jake, hope you had a good week. It's good to see you. What was the best part of your week? Best part of my week was uh, my wife's parents came into town and stayed with us. And they came into town so that they could see their grandchildren participate in sporting activities. And that it's such a blessing to have both sets of our parents caring about our children, coming and visiting. It's just, it's something that, you know... I don't want to take for granted because I know not everybody has that. And I'm, I'm so thankful for that. So they came and watched uh, my oldest son play football on Friday night and my uh, younger son run cross country on Saturday morning. Don't ask how either of them did. The point is that <laughs> the grandparents were there, uh, both sets of grandparents watching them and loving on my kids. And uh, that is a huge blessing that we have. They cheered with full fervor, no matter the, no matter the outcome. My wife and I have a different set of her parents, her grandparents helped, helped raise her. They were in town. They lived close. They went there multiple times a week, which is kind of how, uh, how her mom is now. My kids see her all the time. My grandparents were out of town. And so they both have their great things because those visits, when we did get to visit, were so special. Those holiday visits or whatever it was, was so special. And when I hear stories of, of how, um, how Anna's grandparents were, uh, were part of their growing up so much, and yeah, they helped really helped raise her. So yeah, it's really it's really good to have. I'm glad that your your kids get to experience that. They get to come and and join in uh, those fun things. Huge blessing, man. They are. But we're gonna talk about uh, something that parents and of course, camp leaders, and we've been hearing this word, we've been hearing this idea, maybe even more and more over, over the past, how uh, kids and youth uh, connect together, interact together. Sometimes that can be hard. Sometimes that can turn into bullying, which is what we're going to spend some time talking about today. So like any good you know, a research project or, or something like that, you got to start with a clear definition, getting clarity on what you're talking about. Um, so let's do that first. Let's, let's talk about what actually is bullying. Define that for us. This is such an important thing to start with because bullying has become almost a buzzword. Um, it has been on the rise, which is a huge concern, but it's also um, things have been labeled bullying that aren't necessar- don't necessarily meet the definition of bullying. So when we look at the Centers for Disease Control and the Department of Education, they actually have a definition of bullying. 
Um, and so it's a sort of long definition, so I'm not going to go through the entire uh, text, but there's three key elements of it. Um, it's unwanted aggressive behavior, and this is sort of what we know about it, right? Like some sort of an aggressive behavior uh, from one person to another or from a group of people to another. That is part of the definition of, of bullying. But in addition to that, there's either an observed or perceived power imbalance. So the person doing the bullying has more power or is claiming more power than the person being bullied. And then uh, the third is a repetition or a high likelihood of repetition of the bullying behaviors. And so bullying is really something that takes place again and again or over time. It, it includes this power differential. So if you think of kind of the classic bullying scenario is one, you know, older kid or stronger kid or more popular kid um, picks on a smaller or uh, somebody who's left out uh, over and over again over a period of time so that the younger or the smaller um, or the less powerful whatever in whatever way, uh, there's a power differential there, um, feels scared to come to school or to be around that person. Um, their self-esteem is, is impacted. And so this takes place over a long period of time. Um, and oftentimes I, I hear the definition of bullying being used when it's a one-time affair. Um, and so somebody says something mean to somebody, for example, and they say, I got bullied. Well, that's different. Somebody put you down. Um, somebody insulted you. That doesn't mean you were bullied necessarily. Um, and so uh, th these are important distinctions to make. Um, so we shouldn't call everything bullying. We should understand what bullying is. Um, but we should also be concerned when there are put downs um, or when somebody is left out in a specific instance. Um, just because they were left out doesn't mean they're being bullied. But understanding that's, that that word gets used that way and it becomes this trigger word. Um, and so if a parent hears that their child was left out or a parent hears that somebody said something mean to their child, they say, boom, my child was bullied. Um, and that's sort of a taking it to the next level. But for us as uh, youth leaders, um, as camp directors, um, as people who care about children uh, to understand um, how that word is being used um, and understand the perceptions of parents. Uh, we can't always educate parents and say, no, you're wrong. Your child wasn't, in fact, bullied. Uh, somebody just said something mean to them. Um, we're, we're <laughs> the parent probably isn't going to react positively to that. Uh, they're probably going to say, yeah, I'm never going to come to your camp again, you know, <laughs> or I'm never going to come to your youth group again. You, <laughs> you're not respecting my child. And so so we, we have to we have to handle this pastorally, even as we understand what the the actual definition of bullying is. Yeah, we're talking about this a bit in this in the context of this podcast about camp because we're creating space, right, for for children and youth where they come together and share these experiences together, which is so, so formative. We know that because of the effect of camp research, that one of the important elements of those five that makes camp camp and when it works best is when it's a safe place. I mean, it, you know, it being set apart and being faith focused and all these other things, but part of it is being safe. Part of that, like we talked about the initial reaction of parents, my kid's okay. My kid had fun. Some of those initial things that are most important that camping a safe place is really, really important. Absolutely. 
so that's why we, we're having these, you know, we're having these conversations here. We're having these connections here because as a camp and mystery leaders, we're creating spaces where children and youth come together and uh, there is potential for things like this sometimes. Absolutely. So when we, when we do these camper surveys and we, we try to measure how safe the camp experience was, um, we don't ask them, were you bullied? Um, because we, we, use, we use different metrics than that. Um, we ask them, were you picked on or left out? And we, we ask the frequency of that, not were you picked on or left out? Because it might have happened once, but how often, how frequently were you, did you experience this being picked on or left out? How frequently did you experience this understanding that I had to hide who I truly was? Did you always feel secure? Did you always feel happy when you were at camp? Things like that. That's how we measure the safe space. And so, so we can, we probably don't term that bullying necessarily because at camp, bullying seldom happens. Um, we're really good at camp of preventing bullying. Um, and and that's, that's where camp directors sometimes really struggle. It's like, hey, I spend a lot of time making sure that kids aren't bullied. And in actuality, most of these camps, the kids aren't being bullied. They're being put down in, in, in certain circumstances. And it might be once, twice, three times during the week. That doesn't necessarily mean they were bullied as, it, as you know, one of their cabin mates was, you know, constantly making them, you know, go to the back of the line or give them their lunch or something like that. I mean, that's probably not happening because we got counselors right there. Um, but there's this perception of I was picked on or I got left out uh, frequently. And so that's how we measure this safe space. And at, and at camp, people expect it to be safe, particularly at the Christian camp. And so when, when parents hear that their child was, was picked on at camp or they were left out, they say, this is not supposed to happen at camp. This is not supposed to happen at a Christian camp, especially. And they're right. It's not supposed to happen there. And so um, how do we respond then? Um, and so one of the things that we've, we've done at, uh, with Effective Camp um, is we're able to measure, you know, how frequently do these things happen? And so we ask the frequency scale, um, you know, kind of not at all or very rarely did these things happen or sometimes they happened um, or often or all the time. I felt this way all the time. Very, very few of the campers said that all the time I felt like I was being picked on or left out. Um, but in general, when we look across the three dozen plus camps that have participated, you know, 7,000 campers that have participated in this in this project, it's somewhere around 3% of the campers who said often or always they were picked on or left out at camp. Um, and so again, 97% didn't feel that way. Um, but you know, it's a, it's, it's this, this is the sort of ballpark number somewhere around 3% where, where this, um, this is kind of a metric that happens. And so when we see a camp go above that or significantly above that, you know, if it's 5%, 7%, 8%, 10%, then we know, wow, there, there was something really off. In, in this particular camp for some reason, um, and there needs to be intervention. Um, and so that's, that's kind of uh, one of the ways that we were able to measure that. And, and with parents, we, we, we find a similar number. We, we ask on the parent survey um, their agreement level of their, that their child was picked on or left out, um, and it's generally 3 to 4% of parents that would agree that their child was picked on or left out. So again, a, a pretty low percentage, but when we see that up in six, seven, 10%, then we know that there needs to be intervention specifically in this camping environment. When I hear that number, statistically incredibly low, right? As a, 
you know, camp and have done, have done youth ministry and as a parent, and I bet a lot of the listeners are feeling the same way, we're all still like, wait a sec, that's too much. Right? Because we all have these guts that that shouldn't actually happen. Basically at all. Yeah, not a single kid. I don't want a single kid being picked on at camp this summer. I would say that all the time as, as a director. And kids are, kids are going to be mean. Kids are going to say mean things. And so the question is, how do we respond? And I think getting to that will be an important part of what we do today. Yeah. When you, when you talked about that idea, I mean, it just made me think of, of, the, of the work that has been happening with individual camps. And as individual camps have done effective camp research for their specific context, which is one of the things that you can do. You can get some of this effective camp research, the surveys and things like that done at your camp specifically to learn exactly things like that. That's a really good example of something that, you know, we would take and compare individual camp research to the overall research. And, and when you, when you look at that, you'll see, oh, wait, this is, this is an extra good thing, or this is something that might need to be addressed, that maybe there's some culture that needs changing or some training that could happen, um, some intervention like that. Yeah, that's a good point. And do you, do you see in these, in these past years, has this changed? And has this changed since, I like, I hate to be the back when I grew up guy, right? But has, have things changed uh, in the past few years? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. They, they have changed. Um, so there have always been kids that were, you know, mean to one another or said mean things. Um, it's not always interpreted as bullying, um, but there has been a perceptible and measurable increase in the instances of bullying in our society. Um, this was measured very recently. Um, there was this study that, that actually got a lot of headlines just before the pandemic at like the end of 2018 into 2019. Um, this, this made some headlines and it was this, uh, study. Um, it's a, it's a national student survey. Um, and the, the nonprofit group youth truth is, is the one that, that, that did this survey. Of, of bullying among middle schoolers and high schoolers. And they measured a 35% increase in bullying over the course of three years. Um, this was a, a dramatic increase. Um, and uh, it was especially apparent um, in communities of color, um, young people of color. And public discourse uh, it's it's so crazy to, to think about pre-pandemic times <laughs> because we are we are in the midst of this pandemic but remember that pre-pandemic um in those years you know from 2015 to 2020 um the public discourse um was getting worse um particularly in politics and from some of our nation's leaders there was a lot of ugliness um and calling names that became a thing. Um, we're just going to call names publicly. Um, and those were our leaders, um, our elected officials that were doing that. Uh, and that is linked to um, an increase in bullying among young people as well. Public discourse impacts um, our children's discourse. They hear what we say, they read what we say. Um, and we have social media now, and it is pervasive. Uh, young people are on social media all the time. And social media uh, is a place where people can say mean things about others without those immediate consequences that you might get otherwise. 
Like if you and I were, were hanging out and I said something, you know, kind of off the cuff, that was, that was a little bit of a shot and you didn't laugh. I would be like, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, Jared. I did not mean to hurt you. That was wrong. And I apologize. You know, we could do that right away. But if I blast something off on social media, whether I mean to be insulting or not, you know, I don't know what your reaction was. Um, and so the, this idea of cyberbullying, you know, has become a, a big deal. Now add to that the COVID-19 pandemic and uh, the distance from people, uh, the challenges of social interaction, uh, the decline in social skills and the increase in online interaction exclusively basically online interaction um and you have a recipe for increased meanness and a meanness where you cannot see the consequences where there's not a face-to-face encounter and the face-to-face encounter is such an incredibly important part of human interaction we are designed by god to respond to faces that's what we do um and when you can't look somebody in the eyes um and say you really hurt me it's very difficult to move towards reconciliation and forgiveness. So again, that's one of the very important things that we do in the camp environment. We get people together face to face. They're away from their devices. Um, they get to see the reaction of the other. And so even if somebody was being picked on, um, being able to work towards reconciliation and understanding is an important part of what we do at camp. Um, but as a, as a long way to answer your question there. Um, but in short, yes, we, we do see a definite increase in um, bullying, um, but also in people being picked on and left out. We can see this even in the effective camp data um, because we've been, we've been gathering data since 2016. And so over the course of 2016 through 2020, we can see an increase in the percentage of campers um, saying that they were being picked on or left out. In that camp setting, Right. You, I mean, you had talked about how we have this unique chance, um, which is part of the power of camp as we create that space, this unique chance, one, to be in a to be in a small group where yeah, that person, um, you know, that one you can see that person's reaction. You might be able to see their hurt, see how they're feeling. There's also others. Right? There, there's also often, a, you know, a group of peers there that can step in right there and they've got some connection built already. So they've got some bravery maybe built up where they can say, hey, wait a second that's not okay. That's, that's not how we're going to, you know, we're going to, we're going to self, um, you know, figure this out as a, as a group of peers. And then there is an older young adult who can help both model and help diffuse right there in, in that space. So it's a powerful place to, to work through these things because of course we just want it to stop. We just want people not to do this, but to embrace the reality that, as, as people grow and change and as they figure things out, sometimes you're going to put your foot in your mouth, whether you're a kid or whether you're a national leader, or sometimes you're going to say something um, that is hurtful, and whether you know it or not. We have all done that. It's an example of our brokenness. And so um, to, to be able to work through that is something that needs to happen anyway. So Cam's got an interesting, an interesting spot there just in the, the the very dynamics of how we create space and how we build space for us to actually get a chance to work through that. Absolutely. And this is one of the key ways that that camp can contribute to the healing of our society um, is to help 
young people um, forgive and work towards reconciliation and recognize when something is not okay and to call it out. Um, there's a, there's a resiliency and a grit factor to be gained at camp. Um, you know, in terms of, you know, letting things roll off your back or joking around with each other. Um, but there's, you know, a little more than that saying, you know, like, you know, we don't treat each other that way. Um, and, and there's a couple ways that, um, camp can do this poorly. <laughs> Let's start there. You know, uh, I am not a fan of pranks at camp. A lot of camps have a strong tradition of pranks and they say it's all in good fun. Um, some camps can do it well, but in general, pranks are detrimental to the camp experience and they increase the likelihood that somebody is feeling picked on or left out or hurt. Like this was done, you know, to put me down in particular. Um, where it might be, oh, we just think we're doing something fun um, and having a cabin, cabin rivalry. Uh, not everybody's taking it that way. Uh, you don't know what everybody's uh, past experience is. Um, and so what we find in, in the Effective Camp Project, we, we ask on the, on the first day of camp uh, about their home environment and their school environment and how, how frequently they feel picked on or left out in any, either of those environments. And then we can compare that to how they felt in the camp environment. And you know, the, what we find is very sad, um, but also not all that surprising. It's that the, the kids who feel picked on or left out in the school environment or in the home environment are much more likely to feel picked on or left out at camp. They're going to take things a different way. And so this prank that you think was harmless, well, maybe it's harmless for 80% of the campers, but 20%, holy moly, the huge percentage of your campers who feel picked on or left out at school. And this brings up some of that trauma that they've experienced at school and they don't like it and they don't want to be part of that. Um, and you don't want to encourage that sort of behavior. Uh, and, and so I think we need to rethink pranks for sure. Um, are there ways to do them effectively? Well, here's an example uh, from a camp that I worked at. <laughs> so I was, I was program director. Um, and one of my, one of my counselors, uh, I, I, one day at camp, I saw, I saw her walking by with, you know, paper and pens and, and markers. I was like, Hey, what are you doing? And she's like, Oh, we're going to egg the, the, the next door neighbor neighboring cabin. And I was like, what? You know, like, I just like froze like, Oh my gosh, what have I done wrong as a program director <laughs> and to what is going on and how could you possibly think this was okay? I was just like, ah, and so I, I kind of took a deep breath and could you tell me more, you know, something like that. And what they were doing is they were taking these pieces of paper and they were cutting out egg shapes and drawing little yolks on them and then writing notes on them. Like Jesus loves you. We think you're great. And they were all writing affirmations on the eggs and they were, they were taping them on the cabin. And so you know, the other cabin group would, would get up, say, Oh my gosh, we got egged. And all the campers would be, Oh, we'll get them back. Those people did. And then they kind of look at them and they go, Oh, what the, and it just reframes their understanding of, of something like that. So it's a prank, um, you know, but it's done in a, in an, a positive and an affirming way. Um, seeing the same thing done with, you know, toilet paper, 
in the cabin. Same idea. You take little squares of toilet paper and you write uh, affirmations on them. And so um, I think getting rid of pranks or rethinking pranks is a, a, a key thing that some of our camps can do. Um, uh, another thing that uh, camps don't always train uh, for is um, sarcasm. Uh, and so our, our young adults um, are very versed in sarcasm and they'll use it and they'll use it to each other and they're joking and all their friends know that they're joking. Um, but a lot of these young campers, they don't get sarcasm. And so when we say something and we mean it sarcastically, um, they might take it personally. And we need to understand that there's a, there's a disconnect in language there and an understanding um, and avoid using sarcasm in those ways and avoid something where you have to justify it by saying, oh, I was only joking. If you have to do that, then it's not a good joke. Don't say it. Um, because we, we really do need to make camp safe spaces. And so, uh, so avoiding sarcasm, I think, is a, is, a, is a big piece of it as well. Yeah, that's pre-adolescent, especially pre-adolescent brain science. They can't, act, they can't comprehend it. It can't not take it personally, or I can't, you know, interpret it that it was, it was directed at me. That's just in their brain. It's not even sort of their fault. It's just how it is. The other thing that, um, but, well, with both of those things, with the pranks, with um, the sarcasm, with any of these, of these mean things, is they have a tendency to escalate. They don't, they, they don't go the opposite direction. There is a constant one-up, right? You constantly one-up the next person with a prank, and inevitably it goes too far. Or even the sarcasm. Oh, this is how they talk to me, so I'm going to talk to you like that. And now we're going to talk to each other like that. And before long, now we're actually really being plain mean to each other. Yep, absolutely. And so all of these behaviors tend to escalate without intervention, without diffusion. So let's take a quick break. And you brought up some things that, um, that we might be able to do about this. I love how you said that, right? Camp has the potential. Experiences like this have the potential to help heal society. That is a huge statement, and I think you're right on. Let's talk a little bit about some of those things that we can do. You brought up staff training. Um, you brought up you know, some of the, the culture we create, things like that. There's some things we can do. Let's take a quick break, and then let's talk about that. The Effective Camp Project has helped Christian camps across the country tell their story in a new way to parents and donors. You know that camp makes a difference because you see it with your own eyes. But we need reliable data to convince those who are skeptical and to help us identify areas for improvement. Now is your chance to gather data from your own camp. Our team of experienced researchers works with you to create custom surveys for your campers and parents. We compare your results to data from dozens of other Christian camps to show where your camp really shines and to target areas for program development. In addition to data reports and in-depth consultations, you will receive a communications toolkit to share your unique results with your audiences. Visit EffectiveCamp.com to learn more. All right, welcome back. Jake, we had started to talk about what we can do about it. The, the power that camp might have to help with this. These experiences and these leaders um, these camp leaders, church leaders definitely have the power to, how one of uh, my pastors put it, be the headlights of society, to lead culture here, to help heal. Um, I, 
I think the church and I think, um, I think camp ministry, maybe even in particular, I agree with you, have some power to help with that, right? Because of a bunch of those, those effective camp elements, because of this set apart, um, because we've got this morality as part of our faith, because we are striving to make these, these places safe, we've got the chance to build a culture that can help. So what can we do about this? How can we help? I think one of the first things that we um, need to look at and train for is uh, reconciliation and conflict resolution. And so, you know, we talk about avoiding bullying, you know, and that's, that's a noble thing to do. We want to make sure that kids aren't bullied. So stop bullying. That is great. And we need to go beyond that and recognize what bullying is. You know, we talked about the definition. That's this repeatable thing. There's this power difference, all those sorts of things. And we need to understand, okay, we can stop that, but that doesn't mean that we're stopping the mean comments or um, the, 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 little, the little conflicts that we, that we get uh, one person to another. And those things, again, tend to escalate. And so what we need to teach is conflict resolution and reconciliation. We need to teach it in a Christian way. And so that we're practicing forgiveness. We're bringing people together. We're doing this face-to-face thing making it clear how you hurt me, why I feel hurt by this, and then how can we now move forward together? A lot of times those moments become key in a cabin group that that brings them into deeper relationship or a deeper understanding of the other. That's something we can do at camp. Like I never realized that my words and actions affected people this way because somebody nobody ever told me that i always thought that i was just joking around there are a lot of young people that like that they don't they don't set out to hurt somebody they're not trying to be a bully there are very few people that have in their heads i'm the bad guy i'm the bully um those people may in fact exist but there are very few of them most of these things are unintentional And so when we can point them out and we can bring people together saying, do you understand now how this might be perceived as hurtful? Then we can move forward together. And that young person who felt like um, they were being put down or picked on on Monday or Tuesday develops a deeper relationship with this other person. And then by the end of the camp, they don't understand it in the same way. They say, no, we, we worked through this and we became good friends and a positive things comes out of that. And so teaching reconciliation, teaching conflict resolution can be incredibly, incredibly valuable. And, and I mean, you've got to work through it during staff training, work through uh, case studies, work through scenarios, uh, talk it through. And, you know, some, some camps, I, I think camps that do it the best have a system in place. Um, and I've seen camps have a written plan of how they're going to do better. Um, you know, especially in the, in the most egregious situations where somebody feels really hurt, uh, somebody will actually write down, um, what I did and how I intend to do better. Um, and that can be, a that can be, a uh, an effective practice, um, rather than just say, oh, it's not that big a deal. We'll just, we'll just move past it. Um, you can't sweep this stuff under the rug. Um, and, uh, hopefully if, if you take nothing else from this, uh, episode, uh, take that away that you can't ignore this. You can't sweep it under the rug because it will show up in the camper evaluations. Parents will hear about it. Kids will not come back to camp 
and kids' outcomes are affected. If they feel like they were picked on, that they were left out, that they were bullied, if they use that term, then their self-confidence levels decline rather than increase during camp. And they do not show the same growth in things like uh, faith formation, personal devotional practices, things like that. And they will not come back to your camp. And so there are serious consequences uh, to, to these feelings. And it's not, again, it's again, it's not just being bullied. It's the perception of being bullied. It's um, having somebody picking on you. Um, But if it's dealt with, then we can move forward in a healthy way. So that's first the, the the reconciliation piece. Um, I think uh, the second is, uh, and again, this goes to going beyond the we're going to prevent bullying. Be proactive. Who are we? We are Christian people. We practice love and kindness to one another. We need to model those sorts of things at camp, and so. Uh, that has to be part of the staff culture. So we don't want our summer staff uh, participating in this sarcasm or this banter towards one another. They might think it's totally harmless, but there's probably a person on that summer staff who is taking it very personally, who does feel picked on or left out. And it's the perception that matters. Um, And so modeling this among our summer staff, how do we speak to each other in ways that are life-giving. How can we be kind? Modeling kindness, modeling love becomes incredibly important. So we talked about the, you know, you know, after somebody's been picked on, the reconciliation and forgiveness. That's a Christian value. Even before those things happen, being kind, you know, starting off with kindness uh, becomes a really important thing. You know, before we took the break, you, you, you were talking about uh, pranks again um, and how we tend to one up each other, right? There's this competition and we, we do the, we do this at camp, right? There's different things that are, that are, that are competitive. And, and, and I don't think competitiveness is all bad. Um, certainly we tend to one up each other and things like pranks, but what if we could flip that around and actually go biblical with it and say, what does the Bible tell us that we should be competitive about and we should one up each other in. And if you look at Romans chapter 12 talks about the marks of a Christian And it says what we should outdo one another in. And it's outdo one another in showing honor. I love that verse and how it flips things around on us and how I'm going to outdo you in showing honor to you and to my fellow human beings. That's what we should be about at camp. That's what we should be about in every Christian setting. Remember at camp, we're modeling the Christian atmosphere. We're living and breathing the faith. It's an emergent experience in a Christian atmosphere. So it should feel like a Christian community. And what does that feel like? What does that look like? It looks like kindness. It looks like love. It looks like generosity. It looks like uh, peacefulness, all these different things, the fruits of the spirit. Um, and so outdoing one another and showing honor um, is something that, that, that we can model at camp and show that to the campers. A couple of the things that we find in um, the effective camp project is that, well, one of the things is decentralized ministry matters. Um, and we see a higher instance of people being picked on or left out or the perceptions of those things. Um, when the programs are highly centralized, 
particularly those afternoon times when there's less counselor supervision, the campers can just go to whatever activity they want to go to. Um, it's during those times that this banter is often happening and sometimes out of earshot of the counselors. Um, and it's not in every case, of course, uh, centralized programs can, can be done very, very well, very, very effectively. Um, but the more supervision we have, the more we're focusing on the small group and the relationship building, um, the less often we see, um, this, this, uh, these campers being picked on or left out. Um, I can give you an example. Uh, we had, we had a camp that participated in, uh, the power of camp project, which is an offshoot of effective camp. Um, and it was a salvation army camp and the, the camp, um, caters to, uh, uh, kids from all different walks of life. And they, they, they really focus on bringing in kids from uh, troubled backgrounds or lower income backgrounds. Um, and, and they had this, uh, uh, they, they, did the, they did the project and it showed uh, in the data set a higher instance of kids saying they were picked on or left out or had to hide their true selves. So a, a breakdown in the safe space aspect. And they said, well, what, what is going on? And we, we, we dove a little deeper and uh, together, we targeted this afternoon time where the, the counselors were kind of at the edges and the kids just went around to different activities. It was a very centralized model. And they had, they had feedback that this felt a lot like recess. And for a lot of these kids, especially ones that came from uh, more troubled backgrounds, recess was a dangerous time for them where there was less supervision by the teachers at school and they, they were um, more vulnerable to being put down or being picked on. And so programmatically, they changed their afternoon time. They had more staff supervision. They went, they, they still had uh, sort of their, their, their model where they, they could choose activities, but they went in groups. So they decided as a, as a, as a more of a, as a cabin group or as an affinity group. Um, and so there was a lot better supervision. Um, and that little change uh, highly impacted their camper results. And so that the instances of, of kids saying that they were picked on or left out in the, the, the following year um, went way down. It was something like it, it was cut in half, uh, a huge impact um, on the outcomes uh, by a simple programmatic tweak. Um, and so being able to identify these things and saying, how can we be proactive about this? We can have a real impact on the camper experience and on the outcomes that we see among the campers. From here, everybody, we uh, we want to hear two things from you. We would like to hear uh, number one, uh, your stories, right? and maybe it's just a, a space of where whether you were a camper or something that you experienced um, in your time on staff at camp or church, um, or maybe you're a parent and uh, you are approaching these feelings, approached a certain experience. So wherever you're listening, whether it's in the comments or whether it's in social space, or just send us a message. Um, we want you to take a chance to tell us a story. That's number one. Number two, leaders, um, if there's been something that's been particularly effective for you in, in creating the culture that you're looking for, for uh, in staff training or um, other leadership development things where you are able to um, create a culture that uh, it works toward forgiveness and reconciliation and positive connection and all of these things, we want to hear some of those ideas too. So, you can send us a message. You can find all those connection spots at sacredplaygrounds.com. Go be healers. Go be part of those headlights of society, friends. And we will see you next time on the Sacred Playgrounds podcast.
Thanks for listening to the Sacred Playgrounds podcast. This episode was produced by me, Jared Rendell, and featured Dr. Jake Sorensen, lead researcher and founder at Sacred Playgrounds, LLC. Our theme music was written and performed by Taylor Wilson. You can find his original songs wherever you get your music. Learn more and connect with the Sacred Playgrounds team at sacredplaygrounds.com.